Hello everybody and welcome to WTS 237, What's the Story podcast. Great crack. My name is Danny Murray. My name is Graham Merrigan and Dublin is green and white. Would you, you. Be- behave yourself please, will you? Thank you. Behave yourself please. Um, How are you Danny? Yeah, I'm doing good Graham. I'm doing good. I uh, Bank holiday weekend. Bank holiday weekend, which is always a good thing. So I'm delighted with that. I have two chocolate orange twiddles in me press downstairs, <laughs> uh, and I'll be absolutely stuffing them in my face with a cup of tea at some point over the next day or two. I have a salted caramel M&M bar that I've never Ooh. tried. I didn't know. So I didn't know M&Ms had ventured into the world of salted caramel. Neither did I until I seen it in Dunn's. Yeah, our, uh, it turns out our chocolate conversation with uh, the lovely Brianna Parkins last week. Uh, flirted with controversy an awful lot of people responded to me saying how dare you suggest chocolate goes in the fridge I, I, I mean it's a fact. I didn't suggest thing. that no you didn't but a few, no. if you oh do you yeah so a few people have been on to me um, Shauna Lauder being one of them friend of the show and she said chocolate doesn't belong in the fridge I'm just not <laughs> having that but Shauna's a wise woman she uh, undisputed wisdom Except for in the world of chocolate. So I I wouldn't always put chocolate in the fridge. My brother does. You stop now. You're just trying to curry favour with that contrarian (laughs) lot that have been on to me. There's a few other people there. And then, you know, there's uh, there's people then who are on our side and couldn't believe Brianna wouldn't wouldn't embrace the Irish sun, especially with the weekend (laughs) that we had last week. The weekend that was in it. You know, but look, look, that's all last week's episode. This week's episode. You know what I love saying, Danny? Sorry wow. to put her across you. Uh, I, <laughs> I text uh, our mate, Barry, and I'd say, Dude. I might, I might get, just for, I can't remember what I'd said, but I might uh, jump in and get a, get a chocolate bar with the day that's in it. And he'll write, what day, what day is it? And I was like, Friday. <laughs> Where's the story yeah. going, Graham? <laughs> That's it. I love saying with the day that's in it. Oh. <laughs> but like, there's no day that's in it. No, no. I, Sorry, I hyped that up. It was my own entertainment and my own giggles. That's, that's quite all right. That's, that's quite all right. Sorry, Dublin's green and white and I got giddy. Sorry. Can you behave yourself, Graham, please? If you, say it again, airport, Danny. if you say it again, I'm beeping it out now. You've been warned. Um, the Broadcasting Standards Authority will be on to us over such filth that you're putting out there. Uh, yeah, need a haircut myself, Meryl. Need a haircut myself. But look, we'll Open talk about bars. that. We'll talk about that next week because uh, our guest this week's a doozy. Who is he? Doozy. Hattrick Hero. Hattrick Hero, indeed. Yeah, a man who, if you're not following him on Twitter, he's always good crack on Twitter. Great value on Twitter. Uh, David he has McWilliams, a great podcast. He does indeed, yeah. At David McW on Twitter, lads, if you're not already following him. Uh, his own podcast, absolutely sensational, the David McWilliams podcast. Brilliant himself and John run a good ship. I would thoroughly recommend it. Um, but just yeah, this is this is his hat-trick appearance. We had him on once before many years ago. Mero was sick, so it ended up just me and me and him. Then we welcomed him back for a live show, and that was great crack as well in the Workman's Club many years ago. And uh, now we're all reunited through the magic of Zoom. So let's get to it with the one and only David McWilliams. Delighted to welcome back to the podcast now. It's been far too long, but Patrick uh, Hero. Patrick Hero, indeed, yeah. Uh, broadcaster, economist, 
now famous podcaster as well, author. The brilliant Cameron Grover's fan. Cameron Grover's fan. This is this is the <laughs> well, and of course, you know, well, lads, it's a pleasure to be on the original. What's the story? The original podcast. You know, you, you know, you guys have been doing this a long, long time ago. Too and, long, some would say. Too long. Ah, not at all. Not at all. We're not just a pandemic podcast. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I tell you, did you on that one, Mero? There's a great, great Australian uh, clip advising people not to do a podcast, right? And it's really funny. I'll send it to you. It's on YouTube. Just if you Google it, don't do a podcast. It's an Australian comedian thing and it's priceless. But yeah, look, as you know, you start doing it and then people listen to it and then you can't stop. Yeah, that's it. But like in in fairness, you've you've taken over the podcast scene in Ireland. And and congratulations because it's, the, the stuff you're putting out it's brilliant man so well, thank, you. Um, thank you Danny it's, it's just, it's, just uh, it's economics but it, look as you know in the podcast you can go anywhere you know yeah and yeah. you can explore anything whereas you know when I would be doing TV stuff it's much much more it's more of a joust and there's a sort of a scrap going on and there's a, lots of agendas that usually on television you're not aware of until they're over and uh, right. Uh, whereas the podcast, you can just take it. I'd say to John, eh, we do Russia or China or economics or the housing market, and we just go with it. You know, it's, it's, it's you great. simplify economics though, there, don't you? You simplify your. It's like yeah. Luke O'Neill is like you of the kind of virology virologist yeah. world, immunology. Well, I, I would take that as a, as a big compliment because he's a brilliant explainer. I mean, he's the, mm. I I also like the way nothing with Luke O'Neill is ever intimidating, you know, like absolutely. He, uh, he has an amazing way of kind of suckering you into his, he, like he, he, to his world. And he's kind of like, I would have been somebody who would have found immunology and virology and all that really alien. And, you know, half an hour listening to Luke or 10 minutes, you're like, Oh, right, I get this. I, feel, yeah. I find I know what he's talking about, but, uh, yeah, no, and he's done a huge, he's done an amazing job for science in Ireland at making it accessible to everybody, you know, because cause it is tricky. And no more than in economics, there's lots of fellas now who would, uh, who would be very happy to make it very, very complicated, you know? Mm. <laughs> yeah. There's a sense of their, their own brilliance. Whereas uh, I think what Luke does is he just tries to say, look, this is not so complicated, but it is difficult and you have to listen up for a while. So I'll take that as a great compliment, gentlemen. Thank absolutely. you very much. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I have, I have to ask, Dave, anyone who's listened to your podcast will have heard you over the last little while referencing a Vespa. Oh, you got it's outside. It's outside. <laughs> the, did you make the, the most of the good the, weather, did you? Deep in this economist, there's a, there's a 1980s mod trying to get out somewhere. <laughs> okay? Uh, because my mother was so strict, she wouldn't allow me to be a punk. So I had to join some gang in Dunleary, Monkstown, Neck of the Woods. And the mods, we could actually, you know, we could listen to the jam and still, you know, come home without our mothers roaring at us. So years ago, so then when I, when I got bigger, I bought a Vespa in London uh, when I lived in London. And I always loved them. And then when I came back home to Ireland, for whatever reason, I left it or actually got robbed. They actually got robbed the night before we moved uh, out of London. It was, it was going to be put on the big truck and uh, going to be brought home. So I got robbed. And then Sharon said, look, you know, we've got young kids and 
you know, maybe they're too dangerous. Because she had images of me with, you know, a five-year-old in the back of them or whatever. Anyway, <laughs> long and the short of it was uh, up until, and then I had, a, I had a COVID pandemic crisis. I had one of those moments that I, I was really holding it together and I was being the dad of the house. It was all fine. And it must have been, what, about three months ago. So, you know, a year into the pandemic, I just had one of those, that's it. I can't fucking believe it. No, 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 no. One of those Thursday night things. And uh, I kind of, in the middle of the night, and I was cross with everybody. And uh, I was waking up. And then I said, you know what I'll do? I'll buy a Vespa. So it was a spur of the moment, <laughs> COVID-inspired, frustrating <laughs> midlife crisis. And it's now, it's a thing of beauty. It's outside. And the problem is I bought it. I'd ordered it. And because of Brexit, it took ages to come over. And I bought it, I think, about, I took purchase of it, I think about four or five weeks ago tomorrow. And it has been freezing ever since. Right? And there are cold yolks on it. So that's the problem. So I'm waiting for the, like, La, La, La Bella Luna, the Italian sort of uh, weather to kick in. And then I'll, I'll be up to the brack in the Vespa. Be, be, be careful up there, though. That's the only thing I'll say. Uh, yeah. la, 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 lads are quite fond of Vespas up there. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a shiny new one as well. Oh, no, yeah. Look. yeah, yeah no, no, no. And, and, but, the, but you're right, they do get robbed all the time. Yeah. But they're like little toys. Yeah, that's it. You know? Yeah, yeah. And they're great fun. They're a laugh. Like you'd whore around trying to play with them. Well, that's Dunleary. Dunleary seems like it would lend itself pair because, in many ways, when the sun is shining in Dunleary, I just think of the continent. You know what I mean? And all those cities and all those narrow yeah. streets and everything else. And Dunleary's changed dramatically, even in the last four or five years. I mean, I've seen this profound, profound change for the better in the town, mm. particularly down around the sea and the cycle lanes and everything. But you know, it's interesting the pandemic. The way I don't know if you've have, have either of you been in town recently. In the city, no. Yeah, I, I was. I was two weeks ago. Yeah, it's very strange, isn't it? It's yeah, I was in Stephen. I was at an appointment in the Eye and Ear Hospital, and uh, I went to Stephen's Green. Yeah, and this is a Thursday at about two o'clock, three yep. o'clock, and it was incredibly eerie. Yeah, it, it was. It, it was just. There was nothing going on, and it was a lovely day. People were leaving the offices to go for walks, and I. Remember texting me, mom saying, I'm in Stephen's Green, it's crazy. Yeah, no, well, that's what I was thinking. Like, so if you contrast the vibrancy of somewhere like Dunleary now, which is always jammed, even up in Georgia Street, you know, which isn't, you know, uh, well, let's just say it's not a destination, Georgia Street, you know, you yeah. wouldn't be saying, oh, yeah, I'd be yeah. going to Georgia. But it's, it, it, there's life here, whereas in town, and this is, this is something I think the state has to get a grip of very quickly that cities can actually go bad very quickly. And they can come become dilapidated very quickly and derelict very quickly. And there's no building work going on. Lots and lots of the shop fronts are boarded up. There's a real sense of the city sort of drifting badly towards dereliction. And I think the state's got to get its act together. Whereas when you come down here, there's a mate of mine, another fellow who from Monkstown was brought beside me called David Larkin, who bought the, um, what's the name of that lovely hotel just there on the seafront in Dunleary? The one with the... The Haddon Green? Yeah, Paddington. And I was talking to him and he said, look, and he'd done lots of different jobs in London and he came back and he said, like, his, his, his gamble is that towns like Dunleary, there's loads of them all around Dublin, will benefit enormously from the fact that people are not going to go back to work. They're not going to go back full-time into an office commuting. There's going to be this blended week. And why wouldn't you stay out here if you could and go for a stroll or go for a 
God forbid, a swim, which is not my thing, but clearly I'm the only person in the whole world who doesn't walk around with a dry robe on, involved in, involved in guerrilla warfare down at the uh, 40 foot. But it's, 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 it's yeah, it's, it's nice. What, what, what do they do, say, David? Say with the, you know, St. George's Street and stuff and Dunleary and the shopping centre and that road and stuff. Like, it seems that it has been neglected for so long. And I haven't been in the shopping centre for years, but I remember getting a bit of a, I was taken aback at how empty it was. It's completely and empty. It's completely, what, what can they do to rejuvenate that? Well, I think, I think the shopping centre should be knocked down. If I really? Were, yeah, I think the shopping centre's gone. I think, the, I think that approach to shopping is over, you know, driving in to a box where you go around. I mean, I spent a lot with John who does the podcast with me. A lot of our misspent youth was spent running away from security guards and nogginers, actually. I don't know what was more scary, nogginers or security guards, when we were kids, right? But um, I think Georgia Street, if you could convert some of the shops, if you think about retail now, like, you know, one of the big changes, again, the pandemic is, is, is online shopping. This is not going to change. So you think, what will shops become in the future? Like, main, like mainstream shops, they'll be just become like websites that they won't need, they won't store their stuff in the back what they'll have is just, it's almost like a, a front of office website. So people go and say, oh, I wouldn't mind that. I wouldn't mind that. They'd say, yeah, we'll have it in stock for you and we'll deliver it to you. Right? That's what I think is for the future. So then you take somewhere like Dunleary and you think, okay, you could repurpose at least half of the buildings in Georgia Street to residential. It's a great place to live. It would be a lovely, lovely place to live. It's got buses, it's got the dart, it's got the seafront, it's got everything. And over the shop as well, encourage people to live there. So what you have is you have a living street. I mean, the key to all urban regeneration is people, right? And we spent from the 19, let's say 70s in this country, because 70s to now, having a war on people in urban areas, right? So we'll take everybody out, we'll put everybody into a state, so we'll take them out of the urban areas and we'll put into the urban areas cars and shops and now what you really realize is that like Dunleary just needs maybe you have two or three thousand people living in the center right more people because if you go up beyond i mean this is very parochial for people if you go up the dominican convent and up, up convent road i mean there's loads and loads of activities lots of people around but the main street needs people and i think that's the future i think it'll be a great place to live as for the shopping center you know knock it down some sort of blended housing, social housing, apartments, whatever you want to do, but get people back in and then, you, then you've got life. And then that's what, that's what I think is the, is the key to all. Same in Bray, same in all these towns. It's, it's mad though, because like you said there, the, the whole thing, you don't see people living above shops anymore at all. Or else you see what were homes and they're now solicitor offices or they're yeah. dentists yeah, 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 that yeah. kind of thing. You don't, you don't see that kind of hub of activity anymore and Dunleary Shopping Centre I mean we, we were the same like a Saturday for me on the, on the weekends was walking around exactly yeah, yeah. and then you'd, you'd get fed yeah. up and you'd you know you'd, you'd walk home because you'd spent your bus fare to McDonald's or whatever and yeah. you'd have a football so you'd kick yeah. the football up through Docky and all the way back up to the brack but <laughs> I mean the last time I was in Dunleary Shopping Centre was before I'm, I'm living in Leash now so I don't get up You're that far I know, it's a terrible, terrible thing, yeah, yeah. Where, whereabouts in Leash are you? I'm in Portlaoise, yeah, yeah. Right, that's a long way out. 
It is, yeah, yeah. Uh, my partner's family live down this way, so when we were buying, um, just like a lot of people couldn't afford to live yeah. up that end. So, but we you know, Port Leash is the is the youngest uh, town in Ireland. Did you know that? I didn't know that. And look Port at the Leash, population; I wouldn't have guessed it. Port Leash, in the last census, has the highest proportion of under tens in the country. It's really? Also of, it's also one of the most ethnically diverse towns in Ireland. Yeah, yeah. In well, terms of different yeah. immigration, different immigrants. And it's, uh, yeah, no, uh, these, are, these are the sort of stupid things I, I end up knowing, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. I have to say, it is, it's definitely... They're interesting things. It's, <laughs> it's definitely a diverse place, and there's, it's, it's great in a way, because like that, like a lot of the little cafes down here and a lot of the shops and all that, they're, they're culturally different. My missus as well, I mean, she's lived here since she was six or something, but she's Russian, so there's Russian shops and that kind of thing around here. Yeah. Um, but the, the, I didn't realise about the, the number of kids that are under 10. I How's your Russian, Danny? Uh, yeah, Harry Show. Harry Show. Well, listen, Harry Show. Harry Show. Yeah, well, that's yeah, yeah. You know, uh, but my Russian, uh, yeah, Ploha, I think would be Ploha. the best word for it. Yeah. Is, is yeah. your missus speak Russian to her family and everything? Yeah, yeah. And for ten years, I've been trying to join in, and so far, all I've got is Sosiska, Barsuk, uh, Pizdiets, Pajalusta kind of oh, thing. That sounds. That sounds. What's that? Can I go to the toilet? Uh, no, that would be like so. Gidea toilet is where's the toilet? That was a very important one for me to learn. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, um, but yeah, the, a, a lot of 10 year olds. I would hold out hope for a decent football team. They all play GAA down here, so yeah, you see, the you GAA, know. I don't know about you, I can't, I can't probably, I don't get it. You're amongst friends here, Dave. You're amongst friends. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Good. yeah there's, I mean, I've, I've been to Crow Park for a match, and to be honest with you, I've left going, it's a lot of fuss about nothing to me now. You know what I, mean? but, uh, <laughs> I like Corlin. I do like Corlin. I could watch it, but I, I don't think I like it. it. I can watch it, but I mean, I don't know. It's, it's mm. really, I think it's a sign of a true man from the borough is you don't really get GAA. Yeah. That's, That's true. Yeah, we yeah. can't say that too loudly. You know what I, mean? I know. Yeah. Not with the, a... the middle, the middle class rising. Well, I mean, I, I wrote a whole thing about it because I was amazed the, the last time I, Kula, when I was a kid, Kula was leased by Dorky United. The pitch was leased to them, right? And as my father said, they'd never do it the other way. The football lads would lease it. The Gaelic lads wouldn't lease it. But I was very Not intrigued even. that they were sponsored by uh, Davy Stockbroker, right? And I thought, yes, they were. <laughs> and isn't that correct? So, so Kula are sponsored by a corrupt stockbroker, right? And I just thought that's very strange because when we were kids, that would only have been a rugby team would have been sponsored by a stockbroker, only, yeah. right? And uh, so, yeah, and that's, that's, there's also, it's another, here, we go on a tangent. About 20 years ago, a very interesting paper was written by a, sociologist from Galway, a guy called Cummings, I think was his name. And he's trying to figure out what, which people in Ireland had done best out of free education, right? Very interesting, right? And he identified that the sons of small farmers from East and South Galway were the most upwardly mobile people in the whole country, right? This is fascinating stuff. Because uh, he went, he got, the, he got the data and the leading search and who did it. So basically, he was trying to make the point that the kids of small farmers who were very poor in the 60s, in contrast to the kids of industrial workers who were also quite poor. So he said, 
how did those two generations do? And what you find is the kids of the small farmers did incredibly well and really availed of free education. Kids of industrial workers did not. Then the kids of the small farmers became teachers, right? Okay. And they went into the civil service, those kids who did well. And their kids became doctors, right? And their kids play hurling and cooler. That this is the fascinating thing, right? Because I was thinking, who are these people? Because they didn't exist when I was a kid, right? Who are these people that are playing hurling in a team that is sponsored by um, that stockbroker, Davis? Davy. Davy. And in actual fact, what they are is they're the third generation beneficiaries of free education. And that's their. So they all came up here, but they brought their games with them. And East and South Galway, the game is hurling, mm. right? And that's who they are in the main, which is kind of amazing. You know, that is mad, isn't it? That's fascinating. That's, the, that's fascinating, yeah. It is fascinating. And then you'll, what, what you'll see is that in the next generation, talking about your kids, Danny, people will say, who are those kids? Like, where are those Portlaoise people? Who are those Portlaoise people? And what you'll find is that they're grandchildren of people from Dunleary. Mm. And, it's, I, and that's what I love about economics. It's, it brings, it explains things. Like, when you're trying to explain... What happened to the rugby playing Dr. Elite of South Dublin? Where did they go? And who replaced them? They were replaced by a GA playing Dr. Elite, medical and lawyer elite. And those people were the kids and grandkids of small farmers who were the first beneficiaries of free education in the 60s. It's, so I, I like that sort of stuff. You know? Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a yeah. Kind of nice. trickle down kind of gentrification kind of thing. Yeah, of it, yeah, it is. Or it's even, well, it's actually even done, it's even more, it's kind of bottom up, you know, because yeah, yeah, yeah. have done well, you know. And, uh, and then when they came to Dublin, they brought the language, they brought the love of GAA, traditional music, all those things that were never strong here when we were kids and are now strong here. Yeah. Because they, cause it, it's a different type of person living here. It's, it's, and I, I, I don't know, just when you said that and, and you're saying it, then in some way I'm kind of like, does that explain Kyoto's Kyotori in Monkstown? All that. Because That's I was all explained by that. I was always fascinated about how this trad music place existed in, in the heart of Monkstown like that. It just yeah. seemed yeah, yeah. so out of place compared to everything that was around it, you know? Yeah. Brilliant. Like don't go wrong. Those those the papers are fascinating because they it's are proven, great. They it's are. proven by data like yeah, mm. you, can, you can't argue against that. Well you can't argue against it and it's and what it does is it as it's kind of like it's almost like the culturization of Dunleary, which, uh, which has happened over the last 50 years. And uh, it's, it's, that's what I find interesting about economics, is how it explains things to you, that you're walking the street and say, well, how did that happen? And then you go and you find it. And, and you'd be amazed in Ireland, there's lots and lots of researchers beavering away in universities publishing stuff like this. And I, it would be a shame. It's a shame because none of it really gets the light of day, you know? You need yeah. about... You need about 20 of me to be out there telling people that this is out there, you know? And yeah, then, yeah. I, I, I say to John on the podcast, like, come here, another thing I want to tell you. He's like, oh, Macker, what else have you been reading? And that's that's like me. You're like that, that's are you? Like, I do that at the end of every podcast with the guest. And he's like, so uh, we're, thanks so much for your time. We're running out of time. And I'm like, no, I just have three more questions. Yeah. Can I just ask <laughs> you three more questions that I needed to ask it Because you go on such, he, he, we all know that and the, the whole point of this podcast is to go on tangents. Yeah. It's like to recreate a, 
a pub setting of having a few points. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. you just end up forgetting. And I'm kind of like, why oh, fuck Dave McWilliams for 45 minutes? I need to ask him these questions. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. But it's, uh, no, it's, uh, no, yeah. So that's, we should probably stop talking about Dunleary and Kula and whatever for the, uh, for the sake of the listeners, because we're getting very parochial here. The, the board yeah, is the yeah. centre of the universe, though. So, I mean... <laughs> you know. I, I, I would not disagree with that. I would not disagree with that. <laughs> I was trying to explain to my uh, son that, and he was really amazed, that I played for a season for tech, right? And Unreal! What year? 82? 81? That's unbelievable! Yeah. And... Uh, not always getting my game, but I was up there. But and my dad played for tech, and no I was way. trying. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was trying to explain to him that tech comes from a battle in the First World War. T E K, yeah, right. And I was trying to because I was trying to explain to him that all around here, you know, are these little, little tales, little little indications of who the people were and what they were doing and how they were doing it and. He was amazed by that. He was just saying, wow, I can't believe that. And I said, yes. And I said, if you look at like football in the borough, you'll find all these interesting. I was trying to explain to him that when I was a kid, there was maybe 15 teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Teams in Monkstown Farm alone. Unbelievable it was. Yeah, and, and like, because he was, he was asking me what I thought of Joey's like sucking in all the, the best players as, as has been the case. And, 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 and I was saying that when I was a kid, there was a team called Pierce Rovers who were always... Oh. Much better than Joey's. Always much better. Yeah. And yeah, uh, yeah. I was saying that the team from the Noggin were never really Joey's when I was younger. They were Pierce Rovers on the slopey pitch. The slopey pitch, yeah. I, that slopey pitch, many a man had met his downfall on that oh, slopey yeah. pitch. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was trying to explain to him that, that, that the, one of the great grudge matches was Dawkey versus Pierce. But he was, have, he was having none of it. It's mad that you mention that, though, because like, football in the borough is, and in fairness, uh, Keith, Keith Kelly, friend of the show, uh, the man behind Jumpers for Goalpost, brilliant initiative. He, Merrow, and correct me if I'm wrong here, he'd done a thing on Pierce Rovers, didn't he? No, he's, he's, he's still doing it. He's, he's still middle doing it, is he? It's, yeah, yeah. Like, I, Tell him I can, I, I will, I will quote me on getting 40 shades knocked out of me on that slopey pit <laughs> as a kid. <laughs> On a Tuesday night, you remember those summer leagues? You've been choosing. Ah, they were brilliant. Yeah. But uh, I used to love it because on a Saturday you could go like some of those teams, like you're talking 10, 15 teams in the whole Borough area, perhaps. Yeah. And some of them had two, three teams. Yeah. Had a, two, two Saturday teams and the senior Sunday team. Yeah. Like, I remember going to for games me because I was always in the second team. So it was great. <laughs> yeah. So you played your matches on a Saturday. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. 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 Sunday free. Now there's. Now there's there's only there's only tech and Pierce are still going. They've they've started up again, I think. But like Rutgers oh, yeah. Dunleary was were brilliant. Just, yeah, but, but there isn't like the Bosco Savio Dunleary. I think there's loads of teams that played. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, uh, Joe's Glass Hill. Joe's Glass Hill. Yeah, Joe's Glass Hill was, were, they, was they, they were doing great was, for a while. Like. It was Farm United in Monkstown. Farm Park. United. That's right. Yeah. Rory yeah. O'Connor Park. We were a good team. Very, very good. They have a team, didn't they? They had a team. Rory O'Connor Park had a team. Rory O'Connor Park had a team, a very, very good team. And I'll tell you who played for them. You might know him. Do you know Cowby, the taxi driver? Big fella. Martin Cowp? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, Martin. He was a fine footballer. And he played for Rory. And he would knock the head off you. (laughs) you, Can you remember who... who And and Rockford had the team as well. A very good team. Who who would have team to play down in Finton's Park and Dean's Grange? Can you remember? 
I'm. Uh, I remember there being football pitches there, and I remember yeah, there yeah, being yeah, a, a prefab clubhouse there, and my granny lived. Probably, in, it was probably Fintons. It was probably a team. It could have, it could have been, yeah. My granny yeah. lived down there, and that's our members a kid always seeing it. But like that, even at that stage, like you're talking late nineties kind of thing. Like the goalpost stood, but I never once seen a match there in any of the visits to me, Granny. Yeah. And I was always going, "Who plays here? What is this? This just like, again, it's to, again, it's to do. You know, again, this comes back to economic planning. Those we're talking about. Like, if you don't build social corporation houses in the borough, you won't have football teams. This is yeah. the simplest thing, right? Because um, you need young kids, you need young yeah. families. So you can see, like the the the, the disappearance of football clubs in this neck of the woods is explicitly related to the lack of social housing being built for the last 40 years. I mean, these, mm. this is the way I always look at economics. Like, like what, does it, what does it do when you decide that you're not going to build affordable housing? But what it actually means is the fabric of the society changes. It's not that it's destroyed, but it, it mutates. Mm. And you get, you know, elderly people living in elderly estates, which get a lot quieter than they used to be. Yeah. On, Hall- on Halloween night. A lot quieter so, on Halloween night. So how have, how have success, successive governments failed in that ideology in That's terms of if you build, like you, go back to your point about Bunnery Main Street, if you build, say, the shops and the houses above it and other accommodation, that will bring in money. Loads of people. Loads of people. Yeah. So yeah. How, like, why... why <clears throat> Why aren't they thinking like this? Why are they thinking in the opposite direction? It's a very funny thing. Like, if you think of Dunleary, the town, right? I'd say one of the biggest travesties ever committed in terms of planning or long-term thinking was to move the Dunleary Art College uh, from just in front of the shopping centre. Yeah. Uh, And then they had an option on Bloomfields to put an art college there instead of the shopping centre. And they went up to Baker's Corner. So there's 3,000, I think, students there. That's a lot of students. Now, had they been still in Bloomfields and it wasn't a shopping centre, the centre of Dunleary would be full of cafes and bars and kids and, and, and vibrancy. Yeah. As it is, they're up at uh, Baker's, only funneled in and out by the bus. Like, there's no sense of That's them it, being yeah. there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So you think, like, to answer your question, Meryl, it's about kind of joining up your thinking and, and, and uh, thinking, okay, well, if we, if we move these students, we're going to take out the heart and soul of the town. And what are we going to replace that with? And you say, well, a shopping centre, Bloomfield, you say, yeah, Bloomfield is just a car park with a big Tesco's, right? And suddenly then you, you've changed the whole dynamic of the place. And as you said, then if you're not building social housing in an area where housing is ridiculously expensive and far too expensive, what you do is you you got the the whole town of its of its its kind of regenerative dynamism, which is the families bequeathed to other families bequeathed to other families. So you have you know four or five generations living in the one place, and this would seem to me to be very short sighted. Uh, and I'm not having to go with the council or anything, but I'm just thinking a basic premise would have been uh, to keep families here. That seems like common sense, though. Yeah, it does seem like common sense. But, the way so, so, it. It's not that common, common sense. It's, it's, say, it's, it's, yeah. a, rare, it's a rare commodity, unfortunately. Yeah, that, that's yeah, yeah. And I know, I know kind of, uh, you've said it yourself there, kind of, we'll, we'll move out of the border shortly and that kind of thing. Like, but it's, 
it's not just Dunleary though. I mean, you're kind of, you can kind of see that pattern all over Ireland in kind of small towns and yeah. the main streets in small towns. And you hear about it constantly, the countries will say it as well, the main streets decimated and all that kind of thing. So yeah. there's a lot in it. But one thing in, in the border that's been brilliant over the last few years and just want to hear how you've adjusted to it with COVID and everything else, Dalky Book Festival. One of, oh, the great, yeah. one of the great I mean, success like, stories. What, great, great. Well, that's the, the you're, you're one there upstairs where you, who you heard roaring at the dog. <laughs> you've got this poor old Labrador who's getting old and very senile now. And she kind of potters around and gets in everyone's way. And for the first <laughs> about four hours of the day, she's got loads of brownie points because she's the old lab and we all love her. And then by this time of the night now, it's like, Sasha, get out. Anyway, <laughs> uh, we are going online. We're about to announce the, um, a, a lineup, which is really exceptional for this year. Brilliant. Last year, we couldn't go ahead. And it was dreadful because actually what happened, Danny, is that by, by last year, by 2019, I think Shan sold like 19,000 tickets for over the weekend, which is a lot of tickets to sell. So yeah. it got really, really big. And we got lots of good vibes and lots of good feedback and lots of people enjoying the gigs. And so it was very disappointing the first COVID, like it was, yeah. you know, and had you told me this time last year that we'd be here now still in COVID, I've said, no way. Yeah. Um, but, 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 uh, what we've done now, I'll tell you what we've done. We've got a whole, you know, you can get, it's easier to get bigger guests now because you can get them on, on Zoom and things. And we've, we're going to try and do, you know, later with Jules Holland, you know that? that yeah, thing? yeah. We're going to try and do it, something like that. We've got a really good venue. Uh, one of the Martello Tower in Dalkey. And it, Brilliant. I think it'll work, work really well. And I mean, those sort of things, Danny, they're, you know, they're, they're a joy to do, to see something come, come to fruition like that and to see people enjoying themselves. And, and I'm a terrible man for reading books. So, I mean, for me, it's, for me, it's great because it's, it's, it gives me an opportunity to meet writers that I've been fans of and, and do, you know, yeah. do something, do something which is not doing economics, which is great. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's been fantastic. And look, we'll be back stronger, I think, next year. And this year will be the third week of June. It'll be online, but I think it's going to be really good. Brilliant. Like in fairness, as I said to one of the guests, like I said, it's kind of shite because it's not a festival. Do you know what I mean? Like you can't, you can't dress a Zoom call up as, uh, as being the same vibe as being yeah. in a room with four or 500 people. But, you know, I think it'll be really good. I was gonna say, I'm delighted to hear that, that you have brought up because, I mean, like that, look, the, the 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 experience of being there is that the League of Ireland actually says it, Merlo, you can't be being there kind of thing. Um, mm. But at the same time, it's the next next best option right now, isn't it? So I'm, I'm delighted yeah, to hear you that. Have to keep going, you, know, you, you have to keep these things going. You can't just throw in the towel. Uh, and I think a lot of festivals will. I think that's, see, that's the problem is that I, people don't understand really how unbelievably, to use a horrible economics word, asymmetric impact of the, the pandemic has been so in the sense it's been completely uneven like so a lot of people i know because i know a lot of comic comedians and, and, and musicians and stand-up play you know, entertainers i know a lot of them and their their world has been totally destroyed by this and yeah. you know if you're working in you know if you've got a job in the public sector yeah it's a pain in the arse because you're but you know you're not losing your wage you're not losing your career and so i think there's been a huge disparity of experience uh, for a lot of people. Like we're talking many hundreds of thousands of people work in the sort of what I call the 
the crack economy, which is good crack. So the bars, the restaurants, the hotels, the festivals, the gigs. You know, we, we've done live gigs in, in the Workman's Club. All those, all those guys haven't worked. They haven't yeah. worked for a year, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, it's desperate. It's really difficult. It's really difficult. So I think that it's, it's great to keep the festival going. Um, but I fear that lots of festivals will not uh, recover from this. Yeah. I've been I've been to your festival I think every year since it's been on. Well, that's not really. And right. I, what I love about it, um, I suppose I love what I love about it most is that it's only ten minutes down the road. Yeah, um, but like I, one year I went, it was just um, I went I went to on a Sunday, the morning papers in Finnegan's. Oh yeah, yeah, that's, that was a lovely yeah. day. Yeah. It was fucking deadly. Like I was like, I wanted just to get up and get out of the house, and I was like, right, I'll go down to this. I got tickets anyway, and then at, shortly after that, at around lunchtime, I went up to the tent and seeing the most fascinating conversation with Neil Jordan. It oh, was great. just yeah, well, they're it always was, <laughs> and he was so grumpy about like, I only live up the road. I only live five minutes away, and I had to get up and do this. But like, he was playing to the crowd, but it was brilliant. Seeing yeah. Blind Boy that afternoon. The, that was, yeah, Blind Boy was, yeah. It was brilliant. The, as well. What's that? Blind Boy uh, asked me, he said, could I read? I said, Blind Boy, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> Deadly. And then the day before, I was uh, in the, what's the building beside Queens? The, the, the community hall, there. isn't it? Yeah, the town hall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Emmett Kerwin in conversation with Lynn Rowan. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah brilliant. that was brilliant. Now, what I what I loved, and me and my friends commented, uh, what what there was a there was a nice little subtle irony there about two working class people on stage in the middle of Dalky. Yeah, and the audience, I don't think related to some of the the stories. Yeah, and where you ex- where you were expecting a warm round of applause or a giggle. It just wasn't happening. And there it. was me. No, and there's me up the front honking like a pig, like <laughs> laughing at these things and just thinking it was brilliant. But I just love that. I just love that weekend. Like, I, well, I, I can't wait for it to be well, back next year. To say so, because I mean, Shan spends a lot of time. Shan is from Belfast and uh, people from Belfast have a very different view of, actually, I'll tell you, very different sort of class, very different view of society and mm. um, less class sensitive than Dubliners, less aware oh. I think um, and she is the one who programs those sort of events and says to me you know David this is great but I'm hearing a certain type of accent all the time I'm not hearing Dublin accents I'm not hearing people from West Dublin I'm not here like I mean she's much more sensitive that, to this than I am, right? Mm. And, and I think it probably comes from being from a city that carries its baggage very heavily, let's just say. Um, and, but, but I think people in Belfast are quite curious about the South, more curious than actually we are, well, maybe than I am in, in a way, and she notices things. Uh, and so, yeah, so she programs the whole thing. So she's the one who gets Neil Jordan, Blind Boy, and Emmett and Lynn together. And says yeah. that'll work. Don't worry. I said no. In the town hall, it definitely worked. I did feel like um, when it was over, I felt the audience was definitely enlightened, and it was this, 
because Lane was talking about her book and her upbringing and, and, and some of the stuff that she went through. But mad stuff. And, yeah, mad stuff. And I, do, I did get the sense that people were enlightened because that was evident uh, in the queue to get your book signed straight after it, oh, because good. a lot of them were there to get their book signed and in, in such admiration of Lane. So like, I, just, yeah. I just, just felt there was moments funny saying, it's class that we're in Docky Town Hall, Town Hall here with two These guys don't get heroes. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's but, uh, uh, no, it's look, it's 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 it, you know, it's 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 a joy to put on uh, the fact that we, you know, that you're. It kind of gives you permission to do things you wouldn't otherwise do, and uh, you know, I just hope that we'll get over this one. But I hope other festivals, because you know, a, we we were ten years running, and when you're ten years running, you've got ten you've years. Got, my God, yeah, it's a long time. But you, but you, 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 you have the stamina. And you have the confidence to say, look, we can get through a year or two, right? Yeah. If you're a small festival, you're only starting up, you know, COVID, COVID has been really difficult for people. And, and, yeah. and also, as you know, it's like anything, you can lose your own momentum doing gigs, you know, like, and, you know, what the three of us do, podcasts and all this, it, it takes a certain amount of get up and go. And you need to get a little bit of uh, feedback from your audience to, to make it all worthwhile. And I think that, again, I come back to this, the people that make decisions about locking down and all that, like, I know that they do it because they're doctors and whatever, but I'm not sure they get the totality of the impact on, on people's lives. And mm. I'm not sure they understand quite how much of people's personalities, characters, and personal effort are involved in the performance and shutting down the performance, shut down, it's not, it's not just somebody's income, it shuts down them as people. And that can... And especially not giving support with that, uh, with yeah. the arts, the arts yeah. sector. Like. Yeah, no, um, you, it's, it's, just, it's just something I'm, I'm aware of maybe more than others because I, I, I've, I've chosen over the years to, to, to hang around with those yeah. type of people. You know? Well, it's... Uh, as I said, delighted that you guys are going online with it and pass on our best to, to Shan as well because uh, I will. I said, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, it's been a massive success story. It's a highlight in a board of social calendar every year. Uh, so long may it continue. And um, if she ever wants to book us as hosts, any of those Q&As, we're always there for you. That's well, it, I mean, yeah. Meryl negotiates a mean fee. That's all I'll say. Listen, listen, listen. You'll have Belfast versus the Brack. It'll be quite a, quite a, <laughs> quite a, quite a sight. Um, um, speaking of just Belfast there, um, conversation amongst friends over the last two years, given with the Brexit stuff and all, um, you know, conversation always seems to lead to six counties in terms of yeah, unification. Doesn't, doesn't it it always ends up, but a lot, of, a lot of the friends in my circle would probably say, um, we couldn't do it because we couldn't afford it. Look at the state of our economy. How could we afford yeah. six counties? What, can we afford it? Could we afford yeah, it? Afford, I, think, I, think, I think money will be the least of our worries. In, really? In, yeah, we could afford it really easy. I mean, this... This country is, is you know, it's, this is a big economy in comparison. Like, just to give you the numbers. The economy here is about about three hundred million, maybe less, given this jiggery pokery going on. But the size of the southern economies, let's say, say above three hundred million euros. So it's a that's the size of the GDP per year. Right. Mm. The northern economy is about fifty million. So it's very small. Uh, 
the maths are very simple. The Brits give them about a, a subvention of about 11 million, a billion, sorry, sorry, billions, billions, so I'm talking millions, billions. The Brits give them a subvention of about 11 billion a year. That would be about three or 4% of our GDP. So we, we could afford it in the morning. Like we're spending more in two months on COVID than we'd be spending in Northern Ireland, right? Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not, it's not a, the, the, the issue is, the issue is what do you do with uh, a million people who don't want to live in your country? What do you actually do with them, you know? Do you coerce them? Yeah, you probably could. Do you try and persuade them? That would be much more uh, beneficial long term. What happens to the loyalist population? There could be at least 200,000 of them. You know, I always yeah. describe it that, that the mainstream of unionism is what I would call garden center unionists, right? Because I know them very well. And these are people who go and talk about hydrangeas and, uh, you know, geraniums. That's their currency, right? And then you have uh, the what I would call the Windsor Park unionists, who are the Northern Irish football team supporters. And they, they don't want much to do with us at all. Um, I remember when my son, who's now 18, was 12, when we qualified, no, he's about 10, we qualified for uh, the Polish European Championship. Remember that? 2012, yeah. And he and his little cousin from Belfast, from East Belfast, where my wife is from, we, Ollie, and they were up on Christmas Day, and the two of them were planning that uh, what the two kids would do was that they were going to get a camper van, and the two dads were going to drive it, right? And we'd support the North, and they'd support the South, and we'd go as a unified Irish camper van, right? Two little kids, which is a lovely idea. And my brother-in-law, Conrad, said, he said, that will not be happening. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, why? He says, because we're prods, but they're crazy prods. <laughs> referring to, he's referring to the, the hardcore East Belfast guys. He says, he says, broads like us are fine. He says, the crazy broads want nothing to do, G. And he was right. <laughs> you know? And so the two little boys had to just say, oh, okay. And the, but the, but the interesting thing is, and the terrible thing is, they had no idea, the two little kids, that there was any difference. But as far yeah. as they were concerned, they were going to support Ireland. We were going to get the camper van. They'd be the Northern Irish. We'd be the Republic. And we'd all go together. And I think, you know, unfortunately, the, the, the issue is ethnic. It's not, it's, not, uh, it's, not, um, it's not financial or economic, you know. And uh, I'm, not sure, I'm, not, I'm not sure what you do with a population of people who actually prefer to be Scottish than Irish, because ultimately that's what they want to be, you know. Mm. Um, and, and I'm not sure you can, you know, you saw how they kicked off there last week. Uh, it would be very, it would be quite violent, I think. It would be quite violent. And I, I don't know how you can persuade them. You know, I really don't. Yeah. But then again, now, you can't stop the progressive, democratic, and demographic right of Northern nationalists just because you're afraid of loyalism. Because that kind of, that sort of, in a way, disenfranchises the nationalists because you're saying, well, it doesn't matter if you guys are 52% or 55% and we have the money and we could do that because these guys over here will kick off and we don't want that. So it's, it's going to be very, uh, I think it's going to happen the United Ireland. Uh, yeah. And I think it's going to happen quicker than we think. Well, I, I what do you mean quicker than you think? Just what, what would you, what's dynamic, time, Ryan? There's a dynamic in these things. Like once the population tips over to the nationalist side, then the union only exists 
if it's given permission to exist by nationalists, which is a very odd thing to think about, right? So then the unionists will have to be on their best behavior for a long time in order not to insult nationalists to get nationalists. So I think once that changes, then you'll find the Alliance Party, which could benefit hugely from this change in the DUP, which yeah. is Arlene Foster going. As I said today on Twitter, the DUP have a choice. Are they going to go for an FW de Klerk or a Eugene Terre Blanche? Referring to South Africa, you know, that yeah, yeah. Africans went for FW de Klerk, but they could have gone from Terre Blanche, who was part of that Afrikaner resistance movement, who was a white supremacist. So I don't know. I don't know. But I think that when things tip over, they tip over quickly. And there's a very yeah. large section of, again, I come back to the, uh, what I would call the garden center unionists, who um, I think would be quite happy. They're, they're the sort of people who go and watch the rugby here. Mm. They've no problem. They go to Donegal around the 12th of July. You'll hear their accents all around town all the time. They come down to gigs here all the time. They're very much living in an all-Ireland world. Very much. The, the, they only get out on July the 12th because they don't want to see your tweet where you're born, McAllister. <laughs> <laughs> that I retweet every year. I was good, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. It was, it was, what, it was, what was it like in the studio? Wait, Jim, Alistair. Like, no, I'd never seen the fellow before. I, I was more of a fear of Jerry Kelly, the raw lad beside me. And, uh, <laughs> you know, if you're going to be afraid of someone, you'd be afraid of a provo more you'd be afraid of your man. But he was kind of getting hot under the collar and he was... And, and then, of course, it was like it was, it was the last question. And you could see it, it was a, it was a, uh, it was a young fellow asked a question out of badness, and your man kicked off. I started talking about this grubby battle in a foreign country, and, and then I went around the house, and it came to me last, and I, I looked at I think it was Mark Carruthers, who's the, who's the, uh, who's the compare the MC, BBC, good, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's a good lad. He's really, really a good, very good presenter. And I kind of looked at him. He looked at me, and he's like, "You're on your own here, mate." And uh, I said, look, you know, Mark, it's unusual for a Southerner. You know, this, is, this isn't my, it's not my scrap, you know. But it does seem very weird to me that Jim is so infuriated by celebrating a grubby battle that happened in a foreign country because he already does that. And he's a tiny gay man. This is the Battle of the Boyne. It happened in our country. You know, like, this is the country you hate. And then, but... Then he goes on, then it was quite funny, the clip was great, but what actually happened was, and then he started going on about um, uh, Ireland in, you know, 1690, and I said, well, the union, I said, well, the active union happened in 1707 between Scotland, it happened in 1801 between Ireland. I mean, there was no union, right? There were no unionists then, you didn't exist, right? But you'd be amazed how little they know about their own history. And they clearly know very little about geography as well. So, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, I. Look, I'm, a, I'm an odd character, Meryl. I feel sorry for loyalism. I feel sorry for any, any group of people who feel so isolated and let down. And, you know, I've always said that anger is, not, is the emotion of the truly hopeless, right? That only hopeless people who have no way out get angry. And you see that in arguments, right? When, when people get very angry, it's because it's the... It's, it's the kind of counterpoint, it's the emotion that comes to mind and comes to the surface when people have no, nothing else. And so when I see those loyalist kids, you know, throwing petrol bombs, whatever it is, and I see them in egg on, and I contrast them with the nationalist kids, with the Sinn Féin kids, right? Uh, who are, you know, I, I, 
very recently I was um, out at a, a reading by a friend of mine called Philippe Sands, who wrote a book called East-West Reach about the Holocaust. And it was in Belfast. And uh, I bumped into a mate of mine, and it was a pretty highbrow thing in fairness, right? And uh, the guy I bumped into uh, was the son of, he'll remain nameless, the son of, the mem- son of a member of the Army Council, the IRA Army Council. And I've known him, and he's a very clever guy. And we had a chat, and Shan was there, and Shan was like, Jesus Christ, let's come on, we'll go for a drink. And we did. So they all talked to each other. Uh, Shan being from East Belfast, him being from West Belfast, and they got on like a house on fire. But I came back to my mother-in-law, and Shan was saying, well, we went for a drink with a friend of David's, and, and, and Philippe, who's this very brilliant lawyer, and uh, Shan described who the geezer was and who his dad was. And Shan's mother knew exactly who he was, right? And Shan's mother, who's now in her 80s, she said, you know, that's the thing. He says, their kids are going to discussions about the Holocaust by human rights lawyers. And see, the kids of our lot are dealing coke. And that's the difference. And I thought, Jesus, she's right. You know? Yeah. And that's what's happening. So the kids of the provosts are educated. And their grandkids are unbelievably educated. And they're getting on. The kids of the loyalist people, they're out throwing petrol bombs, dealing, dealing coke and getting into trouble because nobody's saying to them, there is a way out here. You know, there's education, there's politics, there's human rights, there's all that stuff you can get involved in. And so I feel sorry for them because they're, they're lost. And we are going to have to take them by the hand at some stage because they live on the same island. And we've yeah. got to get our heads around that. Absolutely, yeah. That's it, yeah, yeah. As I said, it's um, it looks like it's going to happen sooner or later. Uh, I don't know the the early and foster situation. I think probably accelerates. It. I'm not too optimistic for the DUP and their long term success at all now. No, 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 but you know, we need to do. We need to get our, our find our inner Mandela down here, right? That we've got to understand that we are the people that can help them to help themselves, right? We are the people that can assuage them. The English will eventually shaft them, right? We know that, right? And they'd be left here with us. And it's like having, it's like having a, uh, it's just, it's like having a, a kid that needs a little bit of direction. And, and, and as we know, the, the best thing you can do with a kid who's feeling angry is not to shout at them, but to put your arms around them and say, it'll be okay. You know, I've got you and I've got a way forward for you and I and we've got to start thinking like that which is a big leap for us but I think we can do it I think we can do it yeah yeah absolutely yeah absolutely um on that note uh on a positive and encouraging note for the future then uh yeah look thank you so much for your time we've taken up more than enough of it this is the gig of the week for me this is brilliant (laughs) yes this is my favorite gig this is fantastic well Uh, did you ever did you ever get round to writing that article about how the League of Ireland could make money no, but I will. Let's wait, wait, let's wait until this crowd's back. Right. I'm going to hold you to that now. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely, Mara, we'll do it. Of course you can make Lovely. money. Of course it can. Yes. Love it. Okay. Listen, gents, it's been a pleasure. Dave, Thanks thank so you much, so Dave. much. Um, and look, all, all the best with the, the digital Docky Book Festival. Great stuff. Hopefully, thank you so much, yeah, Hopefully next time we do this, uh, you'll be able to zip up on your Vesta. 
Only live and dangerous. <laughs> live and dangerous as Tin Lizzy once recorded. Absolutely. <laughs> David, Love it. David, thanks so much. See Take later, care, man. Bye. Thank you. Good luck, man. Bye bye. He's a very wise man. Yeah, he's dead. I love having conversations with him. He's dead. He's, he's the perfect bloke for going on tangents, just weavy wobbly tangents and just kind of going, Do you know what's mad? And he'll be like, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, t- I'll tell you why that's mad though. And then he, <laughs> he unleashes this realm of data and facts and amazingness and you're like, my God, if I had a point in front of me right now, I could sit there and listen to you waffling. I know, on. yeah, I that's love it. love it. He's absolutely yeah. brilliant. And uh, if we had more economists like him, the world would be a better place. Is there, is, I don't mean this to be derogatory against other economics, mm. um, economists, but is there any more out there that simplify things as, as well as David does? Actually, I think Aidan O'Regan is a good one. He's an associate he is. professor, isn't he? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure what his qualifications are, but I've heard him talk about things. Yeah. yeah is, I he, don't know. Uh, is, his, is his forte economics? No idea, but I've heard him talk about things before, and I've quite liked the sound of him. Um, he, yeah. Again, he does that thing where he he, he makes it understandable. Actually, Brianna Parkins, who we had in the podcast Brianna last Parkins, week, yeah. she she studied economics and she explains economics using squishies and cans of beer. Yeah. I mean, it, it I know Riga might be a good guest for the podcast. Quite possibly, yeah, yeah. That's a production meeting we'll have off air. People don't even <laughs> know that. <laughs> Sorry, um, I was thinking out loud. It's quite all right. It's quite all right. Um, but yeah, th- like there, there's a need for things that are seen as complex and complicated to be explained in a way that is accessible to the man on the street and to the woman in the cafe and to the kid in school and all those things. It just make it accessible. Don't try and... It's the same. Do you know, everyone knows somebody in work who, when they write an email, they write it in a way that's kind of like, if I was having this conversation with you face-to-face, there's not a fucking chance... That that's the verbiage and that's the word that you'd use. That's just yeah. you wouldn't. You wouldn't. Yeah. It's Come on. Anyway, anyway. Um that's it. That's that's our episode this week, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um if you want to listen to any of our previous podcast episodes, you can search WTS Pod on any podcast provider. I use Podcast Republic, Danny use Apple Podcasts, um, you can get it on Stitcher, Podbean. Go to WTSPod.com. We're on Twitter at WTSPod. He's at Danjo Murray on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Meryl Mania on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and until next week, Danny. Clear eyes. Full hearts. Can't, Can't lose. lose. Dublin is and That's been beeped out. That's been beeped out. Good night. God bless, folks.